Hi, everybody. It's uh, so good to be together. There we go. We're on. Um, wow, deeper. I can't wait to see what God's going to uh, do with us this week. Um, I was with the youth on uh, Tuesday night on Zoom, um, just chatting about it. And um, hey, the youth team really don't do things by halves, do they? They go all out. It wasn't just like, here's JP to come and um, say a couple of things about deeper. It was like, here's a mystery guest and turn your camera off and state facts about yourself in the chat. Some of the youth are in, uh, in the room this morning. Um, I, I wore this shirt in honor of, and they said they liked it. Um, I think they did. They made some comments about it, which in truth, I didn't really understand. They used like youth speak. I had literally no idea. It was clear I couldn't understand it, but apparently it was good. Um, but the best thing was that we get, got to worship together. And man, those guys on fire for God, just contributing, praying out, just loving on Jesus. And it was so precious just to be together and talk about this week and uh, almost kind of chat together as to, I, I wonder what God's going to do with us. Um, it, as we start this, this week of worship, prayer, and fasting. And we asked the youth a question. He said, if Jesus was sat next to you right now, what would he say about Grace Church? I just love some of the answers they said. This, Trust me in all future plans because I have it all, all in control. Let as many people know about me as possible. I love your community. This is what church is. Isn't that just so precious as these guys prophesy, uh, speaking what the Lord would, would say to us in this time? It was a whole lot of fun. And, and we were t talking about um, briefly introduced Nehemiah, the book that we're going to be kind of based in this week. Um, it's in the booklets, which Ben and Emily said you can um, get in touch with the office if you haven't got one. But we're going to jump straight in. So if you've got Bible, turn to Nehemiah uh, chapter one. Uh, if not, the words will come up on the screen. And here we go. Here's verses one to three of chapter one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year. I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who'd survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. God, we just come to you this morning. We say, speak to us through your words, strengthen us, change us. Uh, let it read us, Lord, read our hearts that we might um, be um, just sense what you're saying to us this morning, be challenged uh, by your Holy Spirit and become more like you as we do. Amen. So Nehemiah uh, verse 11 tells us that he was a cup bearer. That is a high ranking official. Um, uh, to the Persian king, Artaxerxes. There we go. Uh, that'll be a success. We can say that by the end of the week, isn't it? Artaxerxes. Um, and um, his, so, so he's in a kind of foreign land. His forefathers had been in a, a land called Judah. We might know it as, as Israel, kind of the southern part of, of Israel today. And the trouble was that, that these Israelites in the land have been so unfaithful to God, generation after generation, worshiping false gods, um, marrying people who didn't love the Lord, and so were kind of leading them astray in worship of other things. There was idolatry. There was oppression of the poor going on. And time after time, God would send them a prophet to speak a message to them, calling them back into his ways, into his good, loving, perfect, and kind ways. Um, and yet they kept ignoring him. And so eventually... God turned them over to the superpower of the time, who called the Babylonians, who took them out into exile in a place called Babylon, which of course meant that I had to listen to a little bit of David Gray in preparation for this preach. Any David Gray fans in the room? We've not got a lot of hands up. No, maybe that can be this year's love. There you go. 
that's a David Gray song, just for the 99% that didn't get that. Um, but those Persians, that superpower of, of the time, sorry, the, the Babylonians, the superpower of the time, had then been conquered by the next superpower who had come, the Persian Empire. And actually what they had done is they had said to these Jews who were in ex- exile in the land that they just conquered, you guys can now begin to return to, to your homeland. They kind of made that a, a declaration. The, the Bible talks about it, that King Cyrus in the start of Ezra chapter 1. And, and it's where these books, Ezra and Nehemiah, actually fit together. They were originally one story, one scroll. And the first part of it talks of this King uh, Cyrus, this Persian king, the new superpower, saying to the Jews, you can head back. And they got this guy, Zerubbabel. Uh, Zerubbabel. I can't even say his name myself. We haven't got a lot of hope this morning if I can't say that. And uh, he'd gone back and he'd rebuilt the temple, like the place where they were so um, excited about. They loved to worship God there. It was their national pride, their identity. He'd started to rebuild that. And then the guy Ezra that the book is is named after, gone back to sort of teach uh, the community, the law, the the ways of God. And Nehemiah kind of picks up that story. All that stuff has happened. They've, They've been allowed to head back. And yet some of them some of them haven't. And uh, it, it talks about Nehemiah in verse 1 it being in Susa, which is a, a winter residence of the, the Persian king. Uh, it's November 445 BC, around that kind of time. And, and it is just worth throwing in that we, we're not told that Nehemiah specifically had been given permission to go back to his homelands. But we know that the Jews as a whole had been, and yet many of them had chosen not to. And it is just worth pointing out how easy it can be to, to get entrenched into some of our new norms. As we talk about kind of coming back to the building for like the, the, the first time in 12 months for some of us, the, the new opportunity that lies ahead. Sometimes there's, there's the permission, but not the inclination. And there's some amongst us who, um, for, for very good medical reasons, um, aren't yet able to be back in the room, don't feel safe to be here. There's others who maybe just got out of the habit. Like the, the permission is there, and just worth kind of calling that out. Like that, that was the situation that the people of God found themselves in. That there's the permission to return. That as we're, um, as we're experiencing in the room this morning, there's something precious about being in person together, seeing one another. And one day, this guy, Nehemiah, is doing his thing in, um, in this foreign land, and he, and he hears a little bit of news of what is going on back home, when he and his brother meet some, um, some men from Judah, and there's an instant connection point. And again, just picking up what Ben was saying a few moments ago, it's worth pointing out that when we're uh, coming back together and seeing people that we've uh, not seen for a very long time, actually what we're finding is there's still that instant connection point. We're still family. And maybe if there's some who are wondering, like, am I still remembered there? Like, do people still know who I am? I haven't uh, been in touch with many or whatever. Like, you are so welcome. We are still family together. You'll be remembered, loved, and greeted with a whole load of COVID guidelines, which is how we do things to keep things safe. So, so these guys, they start to tell of the difficulties of all that has been happening back home. And it's worth saying that we are not uh, in great trouble and shame. We are not broken down. We are not destroyed in fact, actually, our, our home group, it's just, not a, um, it's just not a true description of us. Our, our home groups, for instance, are, are stronger than that they've ever been. We've become, in the last 12 months or so, more creative, more technologically capable. Um, the situation has, has forced us to depend on God in fresh ways. Actually, the shaking of the tree has done us 
some good. There's still been plenty of examples of us thriving as a community. There's still been a lot of outreach into our city. We've had 33 people do Alpha in the last year. That's amazing, isn't it? And of course, to finish our vision statement off, we have replicated what we do in the UK by planting the River Church Newcastle. Glory be to God. But in the last 12 months, we've not been able to sing together en masse. We've not been able to share communion in all its fullness together in person. It's only in the last uh, few months that we've been able to have live preaching in the room. Just a, as you guys are finding it, it's just a different experience receiving it online, isn't it? We've not been able to be together in large numbers over food and drinks and games and ministries and, and, and events. We've not been able to lay hands on one another and pray. We've not been able to sit down on our sofas with our home group. And so it's no surprise that things have been a struggle and that there is some fresh building of our community, our church, that needs to be done. When I was with the youth on, on Tuesday night, um, Ash, who leads our youth work, was just uh, praying about kind of there's, there's some things that have been built incredibly strongly in this time. And there's other things that just feel like they've kind of gone to rubble a little bit. And that our hope, she was praying, is that the God of restoration would build afresh. And so Nehemiah meets these people who are reminding him of, of, of how, how things are. And then just out of the blue, there just seems to come this moment, this moment in God. It says in verse 4, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the Lord, before the God of heaven. For Nehemiah, it was just an ordinary day serving the king as the cupbearer. Which, by the way, doesn't strike me as the most like, professionally complex of jobs. I am cupbearer to the king. <laughs> He's just doing his thing. He's just going about day-to-day -day life. And then suddenly there comes this moment in God that... That, that for some reason, some unlocking purpose of God in his heart leads to this, this gushing forth of emotion as he begins to reflect on all that had happened. It wasn't that he hadn't been thinking about the difficulty, difficulties that they had been encountering before. There's just a moment where suddenly it just all came out. The exile, the loss, the pain, the disappointment, the questions of why. Things that seemed like they were going well just suddenly ended. Moments when the separation seemed like it would never end. The relational difficulties, the faith doubts, the questions of meaning and purpose. All that emotion just began to come out as he sat down, wept, mourned, prayed, and fasted. And you know... For us as a church family, in, in, in the season ahead, however long it goes on for, there will need to be a time of healing for us as a community. I've mentioned some of the things that um, we've, we've struggled at, as a church not being able to do, but, but individually as well. We, we had a wedding here yesterday. It was the fourth time that that wedding had had to be rearranged. Maybe there's funerals that you haven't been able to attend or have been and just felt very alone. A few of us will forget that, that picture of the queen at Prince Philip's funeral just sat there by herself alone. There's just something wrong about that. 
Maybe it's um, other things like your, your graduation. I was talking to some of our One Thing team a couple of weeks ago, and they said, oh, we never had a graduation because of COVID. Birthday parties. I've got a family member who arranged a, a 30th birthday um, in mid-March um, back last year, and then a friend happened to arrange one um, at exactly the same time, and they, um, there's a bit of a miscommunication, and it, it's in, in love, my family member chose to move hers to later in the month, and it just got taken by COVID. There's been job losses and furloughs. Nobody knew what a furlough was 18 months ago. Mental health challenges. Lots of us believing the lie that, oh, we could have done better in this time. We could have made more of it. The American pastor, Rick Warren, said that he believes that in the church and in the world in the coming 12 months, there will be a tsunami of grief released. I believe that this week, this deeper week that we're entering into, as we too pause, as we too reflect, that there is a moment in God for us whereby he will begin or advance his healing of us as we too sit down, maybe weep, fast, pray. And as we reflect, he will restore. Just have a look at the range of prayers that Nehemiah prays. We've already read verse four, but that, that's a prayer of lament and weeping. Like for some of us this week, as God unlocks things, there's, there's going to need to be some expressed pain said to God. This is how I found it, God. Some of us are very good at locking it away. We need to express the disappointment before God. He's our father. Of course, as Nehemiah does this, weeping over Jerusalem, he foreshadows the one, Jesus Christ, who also would weep over Jerusalem and then give his life for the people in it. Uh, verse five, worship and declaration. It says, oh, he, he prays, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He's worshiping God. He's declaring who he is. Yes, what, what's my entry point to this this week? It's to worship God. It's to declare who he is. That's how we get our perspective. That's how we fight the battle. This is our fuel to press in, our fuel for mission, our fuel to engage. It's by fixing our eyes on him and saying, you are God and you are in control. Verse six, petition. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night. We're going to do some praying, and bringing to God this week. Verse 7, repentance. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statues and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Do you know in the last 12 months, there will undoubtedly have been habits that have formed within us that actually are not of God. Things that we just need to turn from. Ways of thinking, mindsets. We just need to say, God, I'm so sorry. When you love someone, you're so quick to say sorry to them. If there's anything that you know that's causing pain to them, you want, you want to make it right. You want to turn from that thing. There's an opportunity for repentance here. It's the key to wholeness. It flows out of intimacy. And then verse 8 to 10, declaring the promises of God. He says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there, I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen. 
You see, Nehemiah unleashes this wave of feeling about all that's happened. He gets it all out before the restorer of his soul. And folks, I just wonder, what does God want to do in you this week? What things are unprocessed before God for you? What have you locked away? What have you thought, surely I can't say that to God. Have you processed your grief before him? I just wonder, as we, as we worship, as we pray, as we fast together this week, I think God wants to turn the key in some of our hearts that we tried to lock the door off. And he wants to come with his healing Holy Spirit to say, here I am with you. But then, out of that place, Nehemiah, um, uh, we, we begin chapter 2. And um, if you've got a Bible, just um, let's turn back to it. Here's, here's what he says. I'm going to read the, the next eight verses. So in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, there we go, attempt number two, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. There's the professional cupbearer once again. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing as you are not sick? Which reminds me of a question that my wife asks me sometimes. Why are you looking so grumpy? It's that kind of question, you know? Um, this is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid, because you obviously don't act like that to the king. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, here we go, he's going to go for it. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? Which also reminds me of a question I often ask my wife when she has to travel for work. When are you going to be back? Please help. It pleased the king to send it. Wow. Verse 7, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. So you get sent with the king's authority. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. So you get sent with the king's resources. And the king granted me what I asked. You get sent with the king's favor. Why? For the good hands of my God was upon me. So Nehemiah goes to the king and asks for a resourcing of the rebuilt. And it's worth pointing out that he's not stopped hurting. The, the, there's a little bit of confusion in some of the dating here, but broadly the scholarly consensus is that these events happen just a couple of months after the events of, of chapter 1. And so in this generation-defining moment for Nehemiah, he has not moved on from it, but rather the grief and the pain and the processing before God leads to a fresh desire to build again the community that he loves. Ironically, what's lost is the fuel for all that's to come. And isn't that just our God? I love this verse in Joel 2.25. It says, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. 
Why not declare that over your last 12 months? I will restore to you the things that have been lost, the things that the locusts have eaten. And so as a, as a family, we, we're not looking to move forward only once our questions about the last 12 months have, have been answered. Like we've got a decision to make together as a community because it would be very easy for us just to say, we haven't been able to do all these things. Let's organize loads of church events. Let's spend loads of time worshiping together. Let's just be with our church family. Let's enjoy one another together and let's just kind of rebuild that. And we want lots of those things. But also the question is, are we going to take this opportunity to speak into a society that is so desperate for community, a society that all of its foundational pillars have come crumbling down in the last 12 months as they have seen that their worldview just does not stand. And we know that the gospel is the answer. We've got to be together, but we've got a huge opportunity here a missional opportunity. And that's why we come to our king to ask him to resource our mission. And let's be clear, this, this week that, that, that's ahead, we're, we're praying into the season ahead where it it's just has to be one where we have grace for ourselves. It just has to be one where we, we're just with people, our church family, our neighbors, our family, friends who don't know the Lord's, and some of us will need to spend time just resting well. Some of you are absolutely exhausted right now. Others will need to do other things. Getting used to being around people again. I've heard a number of people just articulate that, as sort of relearning that. It's got to be a season of grace for us. But in our deeper week, we, we get to bring all of our hurt and our pain and our grief before God. And as we do, we get to ask our king to resource our mission to build afresh. Artaxerxes, verse 6, it says, was ultimately pleased to send Nehemiah. How much more our father in heaven. I love this verse, Luke 12, 32. Jesus says, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And as we pray this week, not only are we believing God for further healing to take place, we're believing him for a fresh resourcing to build our city, to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel, that replicates what we do. And that's why we're doing things like the prayer walks. There's one starting from outside this building at half 11 today. I think there's one in Lenton as well. There's details on the Evening Meeting Facebook group. If that's closer to you, for the one here, you can just be outside half 11, go and pray for the city. That's why we're looking in the devotionals at what is needed to build a city. That's why we're gonna worship and pray and fast. Because we know with Nehemiah, as verse 8 says, that the good hand of our God is upon us. Because Jesus lived the life that we could not live, because he died the death that we deserve, because he was raised to life that we too could have newness of life, because he ascended on high and gave gifts to men, chief of which was the Holy Spirit who falls upon us to empower us to go out in his name, we can know that the good hand of our God is upon us. And how, how will he do it? Well, Artaxerxes sent Nehemiah with his 
authority, with his resources, with his favor. Our God does all of that by giving us himself, by filling us with the Holy Spirit, his healing, calming, empowering spirit. And as we encounter him, we are changed to bring change. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are restored so that we can restore. Let's have the band up and just to finish off this, this week. Ultimately, it's about reflection, recovery, rebuilding. And one of the things I love about this story is it's actually this book, the last recorded events in the Old Testament story. And um, as we go through the devotionals this week, we'll see there's a bit of an anticlimax at the end where the people just can't demonstrate themselves faithful. They just keep messing up in some way. And so you're left with this impression, well, like how, how can this happen? How can a people be faithful to God? The point is, it needs God to come. It needs his presence. We need his presence. And of course, in the story, there's then a time of waiting and then announced by the angels, here he is, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And hey, I, I don't know the journey God's gonna take you on this week, whether it's one of healing, restoring, empowering, guiding. But what I do know is this, that the good hand of our God is upon us. Grace.